Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. That's the song, the recording song. I've got my ravioli and we're ready to go. <laughs> comes your mother. She looks <laughs> like your father and she's got the gout. Let's go. <laughs> little, little musical beginning. <laughs> what a start. What a time. Like okay. the Bee Gees. It's like the Bee Gees. <laughs> At the BGs. The boyhood dream has come true. All of you spoke to me. You're about to find out how ugly mankind can really be. Myself and the click are gonna dance all over your face. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. We'll keep it all that in. So the Cultaholic, <laughs> the classic Raw review, as the other Cultaholic lads get ready for, oh gosh, it's only bloody another pay-per-view this bloody weekend. What's it called again? It's not called Payback. That's the one that just happened. Fast Lane. That's it. That's the one. But we're in the slow lane of 1996, pre-Attitude Era whether you like it or not. Who be we? I be fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, uh, joined by the mulligan to my O'Hare between at least one fern. It is the rambunctious Jackie Orlando. Jackie, how you doing? Hello there, Tom. Yeah, I, I got really confused then because, you know, a peek to how the message is made. We're doing this at the tail end of September 2023, but it's it's friggin' wrestle dream this weekend as well. So that's a busy weekend for you and I. Well, it, yeah, it's happened now. A time you're listening to this, it's it happened. has, yeah. It happened. And was it good? I can't believe Edge turned up at the end. Yep, and I can't believe that he edited Masahiro Chono in to Antonio Anoki, and it's what we all wanted. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe the spirit of Anoki came back. <laughs> and bitch slapped Tony Khan. <laughs> It's what we want to happen. I was gonna say, knowing knowing the craziness that was Antonio Anoki. If it if that somehow happened, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> that he that he was somehow come back in spirit form and or pog form. Where exactly, he, he would once again take his throne. He's he's wrestling's equivalent of Al. If we're going pog form, that's all I can say. <laughs> How are you, Jackie Orlando? More importantly, uh, I am well, thank you. Uh, I am happy because it is now a bit chilly. Uh, I had my first bowl of Scouse of the season the other day. Your first uh, bowl of what? Of Scouse. Your first, explain the bowl of Scouse. So um, the term Scouse and Scousers comes from, I think it's an old, it's either Norse or 
It's either from Denmark or Norway. It's lobscouse. It's just a kind of cheap stew, basically. But because it's really hearty, seafaring stuff and we're in industrial city, it became the, the dish of the sea. So it's just literally mutton, spuds, carrots, in a bit of gravy. Uh, you know, bit of crusty bread, bit of beetroot on the side. Oh, Mate, that sounds amazing. Yeah, so Saturday we, we went out, we went to the Tate because the Tate's closing for refurbishment soon. So we saw a gallery and I was like, I really want some scouts. So we got some scouts. Oh, fantastic. It sounds mm-hmm. like a very hearty stew. Very much. It was after after it finished that I turned to Sean and just said, my soul needed that. And she was like <laughs> still wolfing hairs down going, yeah, it's great, isn't it? So. <laughs> See, I want a bowl of scouts now and I've never even attempted a bowl of scouts. It's it yeah it's it's just it's stew really but it's kind of it's a stodgier stew I think's the best way of saying it. It's got bits in it, but good bits in it. Yeah, nice. Talking of good bits. Hey, are you, are you okay? I'm good. It's been quiet. Uh, just uh, business as normal. Uh, Pablo was a little decky on the weekend because oh my fucking god, I'm ring announcing Impact Turning Point. Oh my fucking god. It's what what version of the multiverse is this? Because when this all came about, <laughs> we just thought, "Holy fuck!" Tom's ring announcing an impact event alone—that's amazing. And then when they went, actually, it's going to be turning point. I was just like, "Oh, okay, wow, fucking hell!" <laughs> I I don't know. I I don't know. I have, a... I have no idea who I've got pictures of. Uh, but they're working. Jesus. I'm buzzing. Had... I'm buzzing. Yeah, I'm yeah, buzzing. I'm not surprised. I'm buzzing for you. My head's a bit sick. But it's <laughs> it's um I'm, thank you to, to Impact. Oh, it feels weird saying it. I would have been happy just to have been there watching and having a lovely day, maybe a bit of scouse at the end. But now I'm fucking working it. Fuck. No, no, it's good, it's good, it's good. It is good. I mean, oh you God. say Joe Hendry was one of the names. I uh, the, the rumor and innuendo suggests that Jeff Jarrett held out the <laughs> olive branch and went, don't worry, we're on good terms now. If you can sort out my boy, Tom Campbell. And they went, Jeff Jarrett, anything for you. Of course, it's Jeff's company and he's my best mate. He must have put a word in. And it means I'll be rigging out Singredo. Oh. How the stars do collide once more <laughs> uh come see us end of october at walker dome in newcastle but the impact uk tour uh takes in glasgow the night before and two nights in coventry uh so join impact on their uk tour and uh come say hi it's gonna be a really fun really fun couple of days uh impact taping numerous episodes of television and turning point turning point being in newcastle featuring will osprey and and you know obviously Osprey the marquee, but fucking hell, I'm there as rigged out. So that's the thing. <laughs> it's, ah! uh, what a weird little industry. What if this I is? forget? Well, here's the thing I'm worried about, right? And I won't bag on about myself too much because uh, I know I oh, in a similar note says as a tangent, banging on about myself. I was on the phone to my mum and dad the other day, and I was walking through town, and uh, I got stopped by a lovely man, and he went, "Excuse me, can I have a photo with you?" And because he he was a Catholic fan, it's like, oh, that's hey. nice. It's nice when you see them in the wild, as you know, when you were at Wembley, and you know you got accosted, and at least one person shouted, "Jackie Hood, Jackie Orlando, you have my son," <laughs> which as as planned, as was tradition. Yeah. Uh, so I so I said, "Oh, hang on a second, Bob," and I had a chat with this guy and took a photo and stuff. 
And then as I picked the phone to my ear, came my mum saying, some blokes asked for a photo with him. And I said, sorry about that. And mum and dad at the same time went, oh, you twat. You <laughs> twat. I was like, what do you mean? Oh, I'll have a photo with you. I said, no, yeah, what do you mean to do? Ignore him. <laughs> and they went, no, it's lovely, but we just need to keep you grounded. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So I'm confident when the news, you know, you know, if they haven't done so, my parents will have uh, no doubt had the conversation and gone, you twat. <laughs> what a lovable twat. What He's... a lovable twat I am. <laughs> you're, you're, you're ripping at the pubes of life. That's what you're doing. <laughs> Wasn't expecting you to say ripping at the pubes. <laughs> Neither was I, to be fair. I was sat here <laughs> thinking, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Anyway, any shape, any fashion, let's dip into the mailbag. Mm. Classic at cultaholic.com. This is from Declan. Hope you're having a great day. I wanted to say thank you so much for the podcast that helps to get me through my day, including at work where I've started as a dog groomer. The podcast always brings a smile to my face with the many shenanigans you get up to, including the bulldog impersonations. Speaking of his kingship, the impersonation has been drilled into my head so much that this past week I was grooming a British bulldog. And all I could hear in my head was Jack Atkins going on about how many situations bulldog got himself into bringing his dog to the groomers. I'm sure this has led to further impressions. Well... I <laughs> straight away, and this is, I mean, thank you, Declan. Um, honestly, the podcast keeps uh, us going at work as well because even though we have we, we, we live a uh, La Dolce Vita, this is the highlight of my week of uh, an otherwise <laughs> very easy and nice work week. But straight away, I'm just imagining Bulldog coming in full gear with Winston be like, Fuck you, Winston, me first, hopping up, bollock naked. <laughs> He's like, got a date tonight with our Diana. Promised her I'd trim, trim the edges and that. <laughs> could, could you wax me bum? <laughs> could you push me dew claw in? <laughs> I can't reach it, Missen. <laughs> Bulldogs discovered it's cheaper to go to the dog groomers than the barbers. <laughs> Brutus Beefcake next door, just like hanging up a side saying, going out of business. <laughs> What if he will cut everyone's hair with garden shears? What's he expecting? That's a hazard waiting to happen. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't, you know, lopped off the occasional ear. Never mind anything else. He must have done. Hey, Declan, thank you. We're honoured to be your company whilst you groom actual bulldogs. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Justine, (laughs) a.k.a. Justice Perry. Says, howdy, gents. A few weeks back, I stumbled into the Twitch chats near the beginning of Tom's ill-fated Royal Rumble attempted Legends mode. This is where I tried to win a Royal Rumble from number one as British Bulldog. And <laughs> I had a horrible five hours. Um, it was named for Eric Bischoff as he was the one first one on the list. It's a list of celebrities of whom, if my friend and I ever encountered them, we were required to ask one specific question above all else, usually something stupid or asinine. Uncle Eric's question is, how did he seemingly his seemingly random friendship slash partnership with the Wonder Years Jason Harvey begin? Now, if you could ask a wrestling personality or any celebrity, really, a random and or idiotic question, who would it be and what would the question be? Uh, Tom and the rest of the classic review lads are always highlights on my Spotify feed. Much love. Thank you very much. Mm. So a random question to a random wrestling celebrity or other celebrity. Ooh. 
Um, I um, thing is, I get to act that out every week because uh, we do desert island graphs. <laughs> I mean, I was just trying to think, and I think the first thing that came into my head is, um, I'd probably ask Ric Flair something that couldn't be broadcastable. <laughs> <laughs> I'd ask Arn Anderson, what do you do for fun? <laughs> I'd, right, out of all the wrestlers, I'd like to have an actual conversation not about wrestling about. I'd love to talk to Nash. Oh. I'd just, just talking to him about like, uh, just hip-hop and be like, so Kev, um, when did you decide that you were going to basically be a seven-foot white version of Tupac on TV? <laughs> If a Kevin Nash interview ever comes around, you're doing it. I'm I'm stepping aside. You're doing it on the proviso. That's your opening gambit. That's my opening gambit. And just yeah. him being just like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? It's like, I, oh, sorry, sorry, Kev. <laughs> see, I feel that if some people were to ask that question outright, they get a shoe in or the interview be over. But I think hmm. you've got that sort of cheeky chappy nature that I think you'd pull it off. Yeah. I think you get away with it. I think you roll with it. Yeah. Well, it's like in, in, in previous lives, like um, me and my friend used to run a, like a games review website, just if, for ourselves trying to, you know, build our skills as writers. And we reached out to Mike Patton of Faith No More. I just emailed his management saying, um, I know he's you know all about music, but we wanted to know if he wanted to answer some questions about video games. And we got an email back saying, "Yeah, he's bored on tour. Send them over." So the, from there, it's just kind of like, okay, so if you ask him about stuff which they're not obviously talking about every single fucking day, you're more likely to get a bit of content from them. I think that's good interview etiquette in general. Mm. I feel like all the questions ever have always been answered with most people. So like, if you get a chance to interview a legend, like just know that all the big questions have been answered and try and yeah. find some something new rather you know jesus christ if i one more interviewer speak to bret hart and go oh, so tell us about the screw job i'm gonna fucking i'm gonna i'm gonna pull out the glock and on anderson something <laughs> <laughs> it is downtime there's more fun to be had in finding the obscure ones and i appreciate that justine is doing just that thank you very much thank you uh, justine uh classic occultaholic.com if you'd like to say hello now we're going to go to Raw very shortly. Uh, what's going to happen is our uh, living, breathing, bearded Dave Meltzer of the of the pool uh, in <laughs> our long-bearded lover of Liverpool, uh, one Jack Atkins, <laughs> uh, is going to break down uh, the jazz that has been formulated in this week's Wrestling Observer newsletter very shortly. But to uh, give you a little taste of what's happening in the wrestling world, in the real world, rather, from November the 4th, 1996, number one movie in the US is Romeo and Juliet. Mm. The Baz Luhrmann one. Yes. Now, this is the one that all the girls decided to start reading Shakespeare again, in my school, at least. Yeah. Um, I will, uh, I'll be up front here. I hate Baz Luhrmann's work <laughs> with oh, a passion, really? with a fiery passion. I think he's a terrible filmmaker, but. Why? Um, it's all style and substance. It's it, is a, a million miles an hour. I just find it tacky. I don't like it. But this is an iconic film. It is, for many, it sums up that kind of, it is the mid-90s on 
celluloid basically isn't it when you're thinking of DiCaprio with his like wet hair and his open shirt and John Leguizamo bounce around in Cuban heels and it, it's you know a huge film and a, a classic it's just it's not one for me uh, Natalie Portman was originally cast as Juliet mm. but she was too young looking for the part and it looked a bit uncomfortable when there was a romance scenes with her and Leonardo DiCaprio so, so she was moved on from it Sarah Michelle Gellar was offered the role but she turned it down presumably too oh. busy doing Buffy but uh, yeah. it meant that Claire Danes would step in to be the yeah. opposite of Leo DiCaprio and uh, what a lovely couple they made on the telly even though lovely. it's Baz Luhrmann and even though Jack hates it <laughs> but if you like it out there great You're enjoy wrong. it and watch it and love it to your heart's content but yeah. don't ask me to come around for a viewing because i'll be like no could we watch can we watch the dragon instead please <laughs> you might want to watch dragon heart which is number one in the uk this week <laughs> what a pro ladies and gentlemen what a pro, pro, pro. i'm fucking working for impact what's that about uh number, number one song in the maybe they got the wrong tom yeah, they actually meant Tom Jones. That'd have been amazing. I'd have happily stepped down for that. <laughs> oh, what are we doing? <sighs> Coming to the ring. I don't know where I'm from. <laughs> the ring. <laughs> Mickey James. <laughs> oh, she's half tidy. Uh, <laughs> impact. Yeah, unbook me. Book Tom Jones. That's that's <laughs> gold. I'm fine with it. I'll get over it. <laughs> Number one song in the US is still the fucking Macarena. But fret not. I have a feeling my psychic powers, my clairvoyant powers, are suggesting that that time is nearly up. Oh, fuck, fuck. For Los Del Rios. <laughs> we might be saying Los Del Adios soon. <laughs> I love this. Number one in the UK, Robson and Jerome. With a, a three-pronged attack, what becomes of the broken-hearted Saturday night of the movies? And Jack Atkins, brace yourself, you'll never walk alone. <laughs> the the Robson and Jerome experiment was oddly successful. <laughs> it was bizarre. <laughs> Do you know the origin of it? Um, I think we may have discussed that on this pod at some point, but I have forgotten. So well, in case you missed it, so the Robson and Jerome are both part of uh, were both part of a TV show called Soldier Soldier. Mm-hmm. There was an episode where there was a wedding and the wedding entertainment didn't turn up. So the two characters that Robson and Jerome played at last minute agreed to go up and sing for the couple and they sang Unchained Melody, to which everybody watching in the, in the 90s before Twitter were ringing ITV and going, where can I get that song from? I want to hear it all the time. So they went, all right, we'll release it. And it went straight to number one. <laughs> and then they just became these cover artists that that a lot of sort of hip young mams loved and bought the singles of and music enthusiasts and and clever music people all fucking hated because it had no substance <laughs> but they made it i hope i hope they made a couple of quid but the the publishers definitely made a few quid off them absolutely they did and they back at number one this week with the first single from their second album cleverly called take two <laughs> oh uh you know we're, we're talking early november here as well so i think i think their record company thought 
Christmas is coming up, so mums are going to need some stocking fillers. Mm-hmm. And they were right. They were bloody right. <laughs> Get this right. And I, this was news to me. I mean, I probably, I probably drank it in at the time, but didn't remember it until I read it upon it. First of November, so just a few days before this week's episode of Raw, uh, B Sky B launches Sky Scottish. I am not aware of this. A Scotland-based television network. <laughs> that broadcasts an extra edition of Scottish television's regional news problems program, Scotland Today, as well as episodes of Take the High Road from two years prior. (laughs) Oh, they also showed Celtic FC's pre-season friendlies. I honestly thought you were going to say then it was just going to be 24 hours of Rabsy Nesbitt and Trainspot. (laughs) I believe that was on in the evenings. They signed for seven years to run Sky Scottish. After 18 months, it shut down as it did not meet its financial targets, maybe because all it did was play Take the High Road and preseason friendlies of Celtic. <laughs> you know when something feels like a tax write-off? <laughs> yeah. It feels like it feels like a, somewhere to bury bad news. Uh, <laughs> on, the, on, the same, on the same night as Raw... As says the role we're going to watch. In tribute to the 30th anniversary of Star Trek, the original series of Star Trek, an episode of Deep Space Night airs, which features Captain Benjamin Sisko and his crew traveling back in time to prevent the assassination of Captain James T. Kirk by a Klingon. Mm. Mm. Uh, its sister series, Voyager, also did a similar episode called Flashback. So what's lovely is, and I'll tell you, I say lovely, uh, I'll say how iconic the episode of Raw we're going to watch is tonight, you know, but how the sausage is made. I'll normally go on to Wikipedia and other sort of TV news outlets to find out what was happening during this week in 1996. And right next to the listing for this episode of Star Trek, it says the infamous episode of Monday Night Raw, Pillman's Got a Gun. Which which Tom Campbell has already claimed is not part of the attitude there. It's still not. He says fuck. He says fuck live on TV. <laughs> I say fuck and I'm not part of the Attitude Era. You would have been if it was they, in 1996. They said fucking soldier, soldier. Is that part of the Attitude Era as well? Yes, it is, because we've mentioned it on this podcast. Fair point. Well made. <laughs> this brings us to uh, the Wrestling Observer for this week. Now, um, you have a, an addendum for the Observer this week, don't you, sir? Yes, because obviously, as we've alluded to, this is an infamous episode of Raw to this day. Still, if you've seen the album art, you know why. Yeah, podcast. yeah. Um, so obviously, the Observer leads off with the story, but because we're, we're going to be covering the events of it, I'll save I'll save a bit of Dave for the for the end of the podcast. So that's a little treat for you for later. You uh, go and Dave <laughs> the best for last. <laughs> Oh, I really want a nice pint of gravy now. <laughs> That's for uh, fans of uh, UK TV adverts of a certain vintage right there. <laughs> it was the Bisto advert, wasn't it? It was. We, we keep the barrier for entry for this uh, podcast rather high, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole generation that just go, There's these two lads that do a podcast about Raw. Don't know what they talk about. Yeah. So, but there's, but in equal measure, there will be a younger version of me and you doing like a classic NXT review where they'll be talking about fucking Digimon. <laughs> <laughs> you, you say that like 
like like Matthew wouldn't be all over that going, ah, Digimon. Ooh. Some people called it the poor man's Pokemon, but it had its own merits and values. <laughs> Fair point. Well made. That's two for two so far this week. I've uh, I've had two coffees today and a small brownie, so uh, that's the fuel for my brain. <laughs> Was the small brownie after you'd had the two coffees? It was in betwixt. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if it gets soaked up the second coffee and there's just some kind of like yeasty caffeine starch bomb just waiting to explode inside me. Oh, that's lovely. I found out this week that it's it's all the caffeine bombs exploding inside you. I feel like I am now lactose intolerant. (laughs) Because I I had a series of stomach cramps last week and I was like, oh, that's, that's a worry. They're still here. And then, and then they were fine over the weekend. And then I had one again last night. And I was like, it's happened again. And Alex said, what milk are you using at work? I said, I'm using the one in the fridge. She went, is it cow's milk? I said, yeah. He said, she said, dickhead, you're lactose intolerant. Why do you keep eating milk and cheese? Because <laughs> it's delicious. Because it's nice. She went, you can't anymore. I said, but it's nice. I said, but look at the state of you. I was like, fair point. Everyone's making fair points that are well made this week. No, in our office fridge, it's probably not the fact that it's cow's milk that you're drinking. It's the fact that it's probably lumpy and six weeks out of date. <laughs> I thought it was a new way to package cottage cheese, but it turns out it's just the milk. <laughs> it's the only cheese guaranteed Eat to freeze. freeze. It's, not ple- <laughs> it's not pleasing my tummy at the moment, mate. Oh, oh bother, as Winnie the Pooh would say. <laughs> We're talking to Winnie the Pooh. This is the Wrestling Observer newsletter dated November the 11th, 1996. This is a good one this week. I've got a feeling in the waters. So, as we've said, the main chunk of this was about Brian Pillman being a naughty little boy. So we've got a few little bits here until we go in. Um, one of the interesting things is, I think this is now the second week that Raw has been at the new time of 8 o'clock. So it's, it's going up against Nitro's first hour, whereas Nitro had been going head-to-head with Raw on the second hour and using that first hour to basically get a groundswell of audience. So it seems that WWF's new thinking is, right, if we're going head-to-head for that first hour, just load the show with mad shite, as we'll see in this episode. So Dave said here, Raw opened the show at 7.57, Nitro started at 8. He's put, it's something he thinks will be changed in future weeks. The general feeling with within WCW at this point seems to be that the NWO is what everyone wants to see. And what is feuding the current increase in ratings is what he's put. Um, and he's saying, you know, house shows are up, merchandise are up all of that about the NWO. But he's put, while many wrestlers have been upset over them having NWO guys in the stands and basically killing their Monday television matches, brackets, Steve Regal and Juventud Guerrero were really upset last week after their Nitro match. The belief in the company is if the NWO guys aren't on TV, people will switch stations, forgetting that ratings before the NWO angle were at almost the exact same level. As Dave puts, the plan right now is to do NWO Monday Nitro head-to-head with Raw and WCW Monday Nitro in the second hour, although he's not sure how many weeks it'll be before this change takes place. I know I've I in the past heard that they wanted to make NWO Nitro and then WCW another day. But it's the mm. first time I've heard them suggesting that the one hour would be NWO and the other hour would be WCW. Yeah, because yeah, I know that uh, when Thunder comes, I think the original idea was that NWO would, yeah, like you said, NWO would take Nitro, I think WCW would take Thunder or the other way around. Um, and that's one of Bischoff's justifications for putting, 
you know, so much fodder in the NWO because he was like, well, if we're going to make it its own brand, you've got to have people in there who can take a pin. And it's like, yeah, I suppose, but that's if you do make it a brand, which they didn't. So, well, because they wanted that, the, one of the arguing points they wanted to make it a brand. I read this in WrestleCrap, uh, which was the, the in the death of WCW book. It's because in their heads they went, well, this if if we make NWO a separate brand to WCW, that makes WWF the third most popular wrestling brand. So that's even, that's funny that push it push them even further down. <laughs> just just bastards. I love the amount of just like shit housery in this period of wrestling. Oh god, yeah, we're swimming in it. It's great. Yeah. Uh el- elsewhere, um unfortunate news. Mark Henry suffered a broken leg in training this week in November, bouncing off the ropes apparently. So his spot at Survivor Series will be taken by Jake Roberts. This hasn't been said on television yet because there are still pre-taped angles where Mark Henry is involved. I'm not sure the $2.5 million invested in Mark Henry will go down in history as one of Vince McMahon's best money investments. Now, with hindsight, we can laugh at that. But like we said many times, it took them fucking years to realize what to do with Mark Henry. I don't think Mark Henry truly hit his stride until like 2006. Until he faked retiring or just before then anyway, yeah. And then he was amazing because they were just like, oh, hang on. The man is a massive human being. Let's just have him break people in half. It's like, yeah, we've been saying that for 10 years. The whole Hall of Pain thing was brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. Made him a world champion and it it didn't feel weird. So yeah. No. No, I remember at, at the time hearing Mark Henry was world champion, thinking it was weird because I wasn't watching it at the time. But when I've gone back and seen it, I've just been like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Mm, he looks. He, do you know what? Underrated. One of the guys that very much suits the world heavyweight title belt. Definitely looks good yeah. on him. Looks good yeah. on him. Looks small on him because he's that much of a unit as well. Does look tiny. So talking of tiny. Uh, if the ECW invasion angle hasn't been dropped for the present, the next angle will likely take place at Survivor Series or Raw the next night. So we'll we'll wait and see on that one. Well, we're not it's it's, it's round the corner if memory serves. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful time. What a wonderful time. I was I was just walking around my house recently thinking about this time in wrestling and being excited. And like I said to you recently, it's like we've been waiting to get to this point that I don't want it to go by too quickly, forgetting that it's taken us two years to cover one year's worth of Raw to get here. So I think we'll be fine. <laughs> it has been a slog, but we are approaching, fast approaching some very exciting stuff. And, and I think we've already gone through some so rather seismic changes, and there is so many more to come. Oh, bloody hell. But yes, but uh, well, c- concerning the, the seismic change that will occur tonight, we've got uh, a little bit of uh, a Brian Pillman addition here. So the belief in hindsight is that Pillman's ankle didn't heal properly the first time because he didn't take the time off to let himself fully heal because he's constantly traveling, putting pressure on it too early, going to TV, doing ECW, negotiating it, etc. Having it get infected didn't help. This time he's going to have to lay off it completely for months, apparently, because uh, wrestlers are going to wrestle, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And this is it. If, he, if he'd had taken that time off, the comeback would have been so much quicker. But just he just couldn't, even though he had a guaranteed deal and WWF were willing to give him the time, as far as I know, um, mm. that he didn't. He just carried on, just kept no. turning up. So we got. There's a lot of bit- fear then for like Ooh. people's spots, wasn't there? I mean, yeah. now, nowadays we live in a quite a different 
sort of I think on the whole quite a different dichotomy whereby there like there's a bit more mental health care a bit more wellness for people uh, yeah. whereby back then it was the case if I miss a week of television then I am as good as dead but whereas now it's just I'm I'm injured I'm just gonna go yeah well it's, <laughs> and it's... that's it <laughs> Like you said, especially in this era when you've got Eric Bischoff firing people by FedEx and stuff when they're out on the shelf. So mm. you, you can understand why they were protective of trying to keep their spots, but I'm, yeah. I'm glad the, the business has moved on a little bit anyway. So two little bits of ECW news and two bits of WCW news, and then we can get straight into Raw because, oh boy, it's a it's a big one. So ECW uh, ran a show in Middleton, New York on November the 7th. Stevie Richards, whilst doing a run-in on the Sandman, got nailed with the cane in the neck and staggered away, then suddenly collapsed. He was paralyzed for a while and taken away in an ambulance. This wasn't an angle and pretty much could only move his fingers for about half an hour. But he recovered, was walking around fine by Monday night. Apparently earlier in the week, Shane Douglas was complaining that he didn't want the Singapore cane being used anymore because a few weeks back, he collapsed after a cane shot to the neck. Supposedly... Supposedly, Douglas refuses to work with Sandman if the Singapore cane is involved anymore. Bloody hell, I never knew the cane was that bad. No, neither did I, because you assume it's one of those, obviously, a, a kendo stick is a real, you know, martial arts weapon implement, call it what you want, but you assume in wrestling that it's either gimmicked or it's just used because it makes a good noise and gives a bit of, you know, a bit of a welt on your back, but you you don't assume it to be able to paralyze you even temporarily. No, and there's two cases, you know, back to back there where it's done that. And they're the only yeah. two I've ever known, but it could just take, it, that's it. It just could just take the one off night, the one random thing. And, and that's that. And Jesus Christ, that's terrifying about Stevie. Yeah. But he, he was all right. I, I know that he will. I'm sure he suffers a broken neck. Doesn't he lead going into, is it going into... Barely legal, or is it coming out of barely legal? I think coming out of barely legal, because I'm sure he was at, yeah, he was at barely legal. He was competing. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. On the, I think off the back of that, he he does. Yeah, but, but he, he lives, you know, he lives to to fight another day and lives to see the future where he gets uh, he gets uh, copyright struck by AEW on YouTube. It's I've only I've only watched snippets of his YouTube stuff, but it seems to be like blowing up because it is like a proper forensic look at wrestling. And I like I like that he's doing well. I've always liked Stevie Richards. Stevie Richards, Maven Huffman. Who thought they would be the two stars of wrestling YouTube in 2023? And I'm all for it. Yeah, it's 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 like Bruce Pritchard again. When when Bruce Pritchard got big and we were like, hang on, what? <laughs> we should take a bet on who's gonna be the next random big wrestling success in 2024 well i'll tell you who the next big wrestling success in 1996 was going to be oh but not but not an ecw so kurt angle was almost clueless on the commentary during the taz versus little guido match from the week before because obviously we're a week after you know raven crucifying sandman so um but he was on commentary and there's Come to Dave, he just wasn't properly clued into the business, really. They tried to put it over like both WWF and WCW wanted Angle, but he chose ECW. Most reports are that the real reason for the apology by Raven after the crucifixion Angle was because Kerr Angle was so upset about it because he does so much work in the community and has a certain image and felt it would reflect negatively on him being part of a group that did something like this. Obviously, he's a man of faith as well. But going on to see some of the stuff that Kurt Angle did in his career, my clairvoyant powers are saying he uses the word 
bestiality at one point. <laughs> I wonder if you would have talked to like Perk Angle and said, if it happened now, would you be all right with this kind of thing? I wonder what you'd say. He'd be, he'd be, he'd be the one hammering the nails into the cross and hanging <laughs> it up. Quick. Quick, you bastard. Don't worry. You can't get someone. I'll do it. Bang. Ah. <laughs> Quick before before the before the tide falls. I don't know. I think the water parts. I think he was being very yeah. I I, I there was a joke in there somewhere. Yeah, you can find it. <laughs> it's a little treat, little treat for you. <laughs> Talking of a little treat, I said we had two uh, WCW bits of news, but one of them I'm just going to scrap because it's not important. But <laughs> <laughs> cheers, mate. Finley's crying. <laughs> Rick Rick Flair finally had surgery on his shoulder this past week. He may be out of action even longer than three months as the plan isn't for him to return until uncensored 97 in March. The plan was to run a major angle at a Nitro in Charlotte where Hall and Nash attacked his 19-year-old son, David, which would lead to a match with the Horsemen teaming with Kevin Green against five members of the NWO. That plan may be dropped because word leaked out, which, if that's the case, is ridiculous, according to Dave. So not the, it's, it's not the worst plan I've ever heard. I mean, David no. Flair isn't great. No, but he, he, he seems... he seems. I'm, I'm happy that he's out of wrestling. He's one of those people that you hear that he's doing well now, and you're just like, yeah, the wrestling business just just wasn't for him, was it? Wasn't it wasn't but... for you. There was, there, was, there was big shoes to fill, and I'm glad your passions are elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, but that's... Uh, that's all the news for this week. Mm, well, thank you very much, Jack Atkins. Some good news, some cromulent news. The WWE have pulled their finger out and on the network have uploaded more episodes of Superstars. Oh, bloody hell. So, making its triumphant return to the Cult on a Classic Raw review, it's Tom's Superstars Super Fast Recap. So, <laughs> theme tune pending. November 3rd, 1996, Superstars. Now, the reason I wanted to dip back into this is because we're seeing, you know, spoilers for what's ahead. We see Rocky Maivia on TV again in a very sort of behind the the screen, behind the scenes, sort of like a role amongst other people. Hmm. And I was like, have they done anything to tell us who this guy is? Because it feels like they've just pushed a random around. So I was like, if only there was more superstars, I thought I'd double check and like, oh, there's loads more now. So maybe they'll mention him on superstars on the night before Raw. Let's find out. Uh, superstars, November 3rd, 1996. The sound quality is awful. Uh, there's an audio glitch at the start that makes everyone sound like robots. Uh, there's a fun fact for you. Uh, the Goutsiders are in action in this one. Fake Razor, fake Diesel, Batter, Aldo Montoya and Barry Windham. Uh, well done, lads. The real Double J beats Frank Stiletto in action. Mr. Perfect plugs the full metal CD, but accidentally almost says cassette, which is adorable. <laughs> Available now on A-Track. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin beats Tom Moores. Brian Pillman calls in during the match and says his operation on his ankle was a success, and he'll be back as early as 1997. He references his tag team with Steve Austin. And how Austin was jealous of him. And he has heard that Austin is going to show up at his house on Monday night. And he is prepared for him. So should Austin come along and be good on his threat from Raw, he will be met with a nine millimeter gun. Huh? Surely they won't do that. I'm sure it's just random words. As soon as Pilmer starts talking about a gun, 
uh, commentary team like Jim Ross and Mr. Perfect just sort of talk over him and move on from it. Uh, Bret Hart talks via WWF studio. So, oh, <laughs> I've had an extra Bret Hart promo this week. You lucky devil. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin is like a hyena and hyenas eat their young. Nice. That's Cheers, Bret. Accurate, though, to be fair. It is, but it's random. Yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin, the man whose gimmick was actual hyena. <laughs> <laughs> Always laughing is Steve Austin. He loves a good <laughs> chuckle. Uh, Jim asks, who should call your match at Survivor Series, Brett, me or Vince McMahon? And Brett was like, you should call it. I was like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Jim, Jim says people saw him calling Steve Austin the best wrestler of the WWF as a slight on Shawn Michaels, to which Brett Hart says, good, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Brett was cute this week. I liked it. Uh, Crush batters Bruno Taylor. Uh, the gimmick here was that Clarence Mason offered Bruno Taylor a business card, and as he had his back to him, looking at the fine print on the business card, Crush attacked him and then beat him very slowly in a rubbish manner. And then Goldust and Mero had about 12 seconds of action before all the Survivor Series teams, including Mark Henry, who did not die, uh, getting into... <laughs> getting in there and getting involved. Look at your minute on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he does have a broken leg, like like tiny Tim's. So he didn't have a broken leg. He had polio, I think. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> Mark Henry had polio. Oh, God. <laughs> I see. Like, Spirit, what do you see at Survivor Series? I see an empty spot and a crutch with no one. <laughs> if my visions are correct, the boy will die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark Henry. <laughs> Only Scrooge had paid Mark Maron more money. <laughs> I'm just imagining Kevin the Frog bouncing down the street with Mark Henry in his shoulder going, <laughs> Bing, boom, ba da ba boom, ba Only one more sleep till Christmas. Right, so <laughs> that's Superstars. Hey. Off to Raw we go. Woo! We are taped, which is why Mark Henry did not die. <laughs> Uh, we get a recap. Of, now, actually, no, we're half live, half taped because the mm. raw we're going to see is taped. However, we get lots tonight from the Cincinnati home of Brian Pillman, all shot live, mm. which I'm sure will be fine. Uh, <laughs> recap of last week of Steve Austin going radio rental in the studio and then getting arrested or led out of the building. Uh, tonight, Kevin Kelly is at Brian Pillman's home in Cincinnati. And what a fucking lovely home Brian Pillman's got. Holy yeah. shit. He signed us a good dollar in WWF. <laughs> right. I wasn't yeah. expecting like a, a shack, but that's a mansion. This is a palace, Homer. <laughs> it's amazing it's, it's... home. It looks like one of the houses from Home Alone. You're just like, Jesus Christ. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Imagine <laughs> first, Home Alone would be a much shorter film if the, if the wet bandits broke into Brian Pillman's cap. 
Just don't be shit. <laughs> Unloading a clip into Joe Pesci. Pesci gets shot between the eyes. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that's, and that's Home Alone. It's about half an hour this time. Brilliant. <laughs> also tonight, Sid and Sean are going to go face to face. We've got a, a meeting of the minds ahead mm. of their tag title match next week against Owen and the Bulldog, which I thought was this week. Yeah, so did I, but apparently they, they must have moved it around because this is monumental. Mm. Before we get into Raw proper, though, I don't know if you watched, you know, the actual intro. The I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Here's how we know that this was live, because I had to rewind this to make sure I wasn't hearing something. So it's doing all the, and when it gets to the bit where it says, like, in Spanish language and Sean shaking his tits, you just hear Vince McMahon go, oh! <laughs> I was like... We have on recording Vince McMahon clearing his throat. And it's definitely Vince because he's just screamed the intro in his Vince way. But I was just like, <laughs> if he found out that happened, he would fume. <laughs> Do you reckon anyone told him? No, definitely not. Thank God this isn't the day of Twitter because somebody we a thousand people would have tweeted it immediately <laughs> and everybody would have been sacked. Uh, yeah, so Vince coughs during the opening of Raw, which is a lovely little moment. You know, Vince, a man who who is on record as, is it hiccups or sneezes that he hates? S- sneezes because it shows a lack of control. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a funny man. Uh, Kevin Kelly is outside Pillman's Casa Mojo Jojo, where he will have a live interview with Brian Pillman tonight he has a special microphone that looks as if all the other microphones were taken for raw so he had to go and use one of the older ones they just put a little <laughs> mic shield round poor kevin kelly getting the last one of the lost property bin <laughs> uh, austin has threatened to show up tonight so therefore brian pillman's kids have gone to stay with their grandparents which i'm gutted about because we nearly got a glimpse of brian pillman jr imagine this that austin turns up and you've got a little feral brian pillman you knew of his mullet diving off the house at him. <laughs> that would have saved the day. Yeah. That'd have been a thing. <laughs> we open tonight with Gold Dust in action versus the Stalker, Barry Windham. Gold Dust is flanked by Jerry Lawler Survivor Series team Crush, Hunter, Mr. Perfect, and Clarence Mason, the latter as managers. Jerry Lawler is on commentary. The Stalker is flanked by Mark Merrow, Mark Henry, who did not die. And <laughs> fuck a doodle do, Rocky Maivia. There he is. There's the biggest star on the planet right there. With Barry Windham, it's just one of those things that <laughs> I've seen the trend on Twitter this week. It's like what what's a what's a wrestling what's what's something true in wrestling that sounds fake? And if you would have said that, um, you know, The Rock's raw debut in front of the crowd would come along at the side of Barry Windham, you'd be like, no, it didn't. Stop <laughs> talking shit. But <laughs> but it did. We, we saw him the other week, obviously, backstage, but it's the first time we've seen him in the thick of it. It's so weird, right? Because, there, because we see when someone new comes in, there's video packages, there's commentary, <laughs> hyperbole, nothing for this guy. Just, there's Rocky Maivia. Are you going to give me anything else? No, nothing no. else. No, just a random guy. All right. It's like, and we know the 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 future will tell us this is a thousand percent not the case. It's like they've just lobbed a fucking jobber in that team. <laughs> yeah. 
Honestly, it really is. It really is. Barry Windham looks like after this, he's off to run a car boot. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like he's in a Slayer tribute band. That's amazing. (laughs) He looks like someone's divorced uncle. He, he looks, looks like a he, he looks like a League of Gentlemen background character. <laughs> he looks like that guy you see at the social club who more often than not is on the fruit machine. And if you're on the fruit machine, he'll come up behind you and go, Are you winning, Bab? <laughs> he he looks like he drives a transit van. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he owns a big fucking dog called Zero. He looks like someone that your mum dated in high school. <laughs> he looks like he has a samurai sword above the fireplace. <laughs> uh, that's all. I, I, I got all those are ad libbed. We've got nothing on it. <laughs> all ad libbed. Um, Wyndham and Goldust have a match that happens. Uh, Doc Hendricks pops up and he says Steve Austin's on the phone. Vince, he wants a chat. Uh, so he, he, I presume, plugs something in, like one of the old phone operators during the war. <laughs> one moment, sir, I'll connect you. Uh, and Jock Hendricks connects him up to the, the Austin to the commentary desk. Austin's on a car phone, which is novel in 1996. It's clearly, he's doing all right, as well as Brian Pillman. He's on his way to Brian's home, and he gives us scripture, Austin 2517. I will strike down upon your ass with great anger and furious vengeance. It's not as catchy, I'll be honest. No, no. But, uh, you know, typical WWF fair, you know, quoting Pulp Fiction two years after it came out. Yeah, bang on the money. (laughs) Bang on the money. Uh, He says he's got a six-pack of whoop-ass for anybody who gets in his way as he's on his way to Pillman's house. Uh, Lawless tells Austin that Pillman's got a gun. Austin says he hasn't got the guts to use it. And whatever happens, he's sure that Vince McMahon will make amends for it because he, Steve Austin, is a big star and he's in the big match at Survivor Series. So Mm. you best look after your... You you, you better make sure that I'm insured because otherwise you've got no match at Survivor Series. Uh, So... Austin's off to drive. He, he, he hangs up the phone and away he goes. We'll touch base with him later. Uh, the match is happening and it's a thing between Goldust and the Stalker. Jerry Lawler leaves the announce table so he can join his Survivor Series team at the ringside area. Uh, Wyndham and Goldust, uh, amongst all this exposition, are actually having a, a fairly decent match. It's not too terrible, but the, all the attention is on the exposition. So yeah, just- yeah background fodder Goldus at one point counters a superplex with a greco-roman kiss on the lips which was effective going into the break we must <laughs> and we Sorry. must talk about the break fuck me we have a commercial for steve austin versus bret hart a survivor series we get shots of steve austin in a burnt out dingy warehouse shot in black and white the light moving in and out of the shot. At one point, there's a great shot of Steve Austin staring straight down the camera as the light pans across him, something that will be used in video package for Austin for the rest of his goddamn career. Uh, He says he's not Shawn Michaels. He doesn't dance and he ain't no sexy boy. He's going to take seven years of frustration out on Bret Hart at Survivor Series. Quote, you can finally go home and look in the mirror and get some peace of mind because you'll know that you've been beaten by a real man. Fucking oof. And then just at the end, it just says Survivor Series, just in a, a normal form, 
logo survivor series and the date as it plays austin's music and straight away i was like take my fucking money <laughs> and it's another little dig on Shawn michaels yeah yeah Shawn's getting a shearing from austin and brett isn't he it's fantastic um i i went on a bit of a, a tangent after this so i i typed this into youtube to see if it was because i've never seen this before this is my first time seeing this little vignette and seeing it if was it on was superstars the night before yeah, so I, I typed it into YouTube and there's versions of it, hundreds of thousands of views of people saying to, to many fans, apparently, this is when Austin became Austin. That the, Like, this was so important at the time, made him seem really cool. And you were saying about that thing with Shawn Michaels. I went out of curiosity onto Cage Match to see how many times they'd face off against each other in ring. And I think it's only three times and we've already seen one. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we'll get another one, presumably, in 97. Yes! We do. We there's a whole pay per view built around like first time, last time, only time mm. between Austin and Michaels. And spoiler, it wouldn't be. But yeah, so they only have three matches, but they're all iconic. Yeah, I mean they'll, they'll be in matches with each other, but they faced off against each other. It is. I think it's only three, maybe four, but not many anyway. I like that. I never knew that. Mm. Back to Wyndham versus Goldust. They tumble to the outside, and the Survivor Series team start brawling. The ref throws the match out. It's a double DQ. Uh, Mark Henry. Stalks Jerry Lawler all the way up the ramp. Uh, we see Perfect and Helmsley double teaming on Wyndham. And then Rocky Maivia comes off the top with a cross body to send the baddies pack in. This nearly went horribly wrong. I don't know whether you <laughs> noticed this because Rocky's up top and there's all this movement in the ring and you see the rope start to shake. And for a brief second, Rocky Maivia loses his balance. I oh, know. I didn't notice that. Yeah. No. Ever so brief. But he recovers it dead quick and just goes, fuck it, I'm going now before I lose my balance again. Yeah, it, and it's weird with hindsight seeing The Rock come off the top. He would only he would do it in the last match that he had against John Cena, and they would say it as like, oh, my God, it's a desperation move because he never comes off the top rope. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a nice little... If anything, if that had been The Rock's last match, that would have been great because it would have been the first move he hit in the ring was a crossbody, and one of the last moves he hit was a crossbody. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, so yeah, it was. Uh, this is the most that we've really seen Rocky Maivia showcase. But even now, uh, commentary seems reticent to really talk about it. Yeah, it's. I think this is one of my criticisms for the night, and it is a trend that I didn't. One of the trends that I don't like about this era of wrestling that we're about to really dive into is all the talk all night was about Austin and Pillman. They didn't talk once about what was going on in the ring. Mm. And what were you saying about not really mentioning Maya Vea, whether that is, like you said, a stylistic choice or if it is just because this night, the only thing that's important is Austin and Brian. I don't know, but um, yeah. As for the match itself, like you said, it was fine, but it wasn't important. But I did like the post-match. It was chaotic. Like you said, if if... If Raw is going head-to-head with WCW for this first hour and they're just trying to pack in chaotic shit to help with the feel of the show, this was, you know, yeah, job done. And then that Austin promo as well, superb. What about you? Uh, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was actually a good match, but as you said, and it's something that I've made a point of as well, a lot of the matches tonight, if not all the matches, are background noise for this one hot angle uh, Mm. that they're working on throughout. Yeah. That's kind of it, isn't it? It's something about the attitude era, and especially as like, you, I don't know if they started doing it already on Nitro with the NWO, just where the commentators are just like, oh, don't worry, coming up later, here comes uh, Hogan's going to be here, or coming up later, Austin's going to be here. It's like, that's all very well and good, but I want to watch D'Lo Brown versus Ken Shabrock, please. Like, 
Let me have my dealer and Ken. Yeah, so I know we're going to get more of this, but uh, it is what it is. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, we get Survivor Series report next with Doc Hendricks and some footage from the Big Bang Boom Tour. <laughs> On the tour, we had a promo spot with Mankind, Paul Bearer, and The Executioner. Fuck me, Terry Gordy. Look how they've massacred my boy. He looks like he's going to a fucking Dungeon Dragons convention. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Terry fucking Gordy! Yeah. Looking, looking very fucking Gordy. <laughs> he looks... He... It's not a great look, is it? We've just been ripping on no. Barry Wyndham. But that even Barry Wyndham's just like, ah, stay on you, bam, bam, you look shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a good time. Uh, no. Undertaker addresses Mankind, who's speaking in the ring, by flickering the lights and quoting a bit of Noel Coward, saying the reports of my demise are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> Which I thought was nice of the, of the dead man to quote Noel Coward. I guess he's seen him. I hope he was holding a book at arm's length as well as he did it, as he was reading from it. <laughs> I wish Undertaker would quote other entertainers and and uh, thoughtful people in his promos in the years to come. <laughs> you get nothing for repair, not in this game. <laughs> in the words of Al Jolson, mammy. <laughs> <laughs> In the words of Adam West, I'll get you, Adam Wee. <laughs> uh, the, now, fucking hell. Undertaker, <laughs> Undertaker then says he will reveal to Paul Bearer now his future. So, the stip for Survivor Series, they've not made it massively clear on Raw, so I will kind of cut through the shite and explain. Undertaker and Mankind are fighting at Survivor Series. Paul Bearer will be in a cage above the ring. So he can't get involved. And should Undertaker win, he gets five minutes with Paul Bearer. Mm. That's where we're going, I believe. 
So Undertaker wanted to show here what Paul Bearer's future was. And <laughs> a shark cage is delivered to the ringside area with a black sheet over the top. So executioner, as if he's not having a shit enough day as it is, is the one that pulls the sheet off. And... Right. Reveals it's it's either a really shit mannequin or a fucking scarecrow that is dressed like Paul Bearer hung upside down inside the shark cage with a frown <laughs> drawn on his face because he is sad because he's upside down. See, Orlando, what the fuck is this? You'd sent me the screen grab of this ahead of time, so I was I waiting was for this. I was fucking howling when that came on my screen the other day. I was fucking howling. I just stopped and I, you know, took a page out of our good friend John Eiley's book and, and f- f- thought about this in kayfabe. In kayfabe, The Undertaker made an effigy of Paul Bearer and then with his best marker pen, drew a little face on it and thought, oh, this is going to be really cool and chilling. Better put this in a cage. (laughs) It's like, this was lame. And and, And then you think that if this was late 97, early 98, he would have done the same thing, but he would have set it on fire. And then you'd be like, oh, that's a threat. Rather than just be like, ah, you'd be upside down, you fat bastard. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was the threat, wasn't it? You're yeah. going to be upside down. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. <laughs> For how long? A bit. <laughs> it was a bit crap, wasn't it? It was a bit crap. I think it was with best intentions. And it just didn't. It's it's that It's that horrible thing where someone has a vision. And the vision doesn't quite match what the art department has put together. Yeah, considering that it was at the beginning of this year when he showed to Diesel an effigy of Diesel in a casket, which was yes! lifelike. And now he's just got some pillowcases and drawn a moustache on them. <laughs> it was just a pillowcase, was it, for Paul Bearer's head? Shite. Absolutely shite. <laughs> but it was our favourite kind of shite. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan, big fan. Um, we cut to Pillman. He's in his house looking grumpy next to Kevin Kelly as his wife sits over him. It looks like they're posing for an oil painting. <laughs> uh, Brian Pillman is asked about his prognosis from Kevin Kelly, and he says he's got an excellent prognosis for 1997, but Austin's prognosis isn't good. He crossed the line, and now there's a whole new set of rules. Vince McMahon reveals that Austin is circling the neighborhood to which Brian Pillman tells Steve that he is a dead man walking. He says Austin 316 is going to meet Pillman five millimeter. And then he reveals he's got a bloody gun and he's going to blow Steve Austin's ass to hell. Everyone fucking loses their mind that Brian Pillman, who telegraphed days before that he had a gun, has a gun. I loved this. It's great. It is great. It's it's absolute mental bollocks, but it's the, the character of Pillman has been built up so well. Like you said, the loose cannon through WCW, WCW, and now WWF that you're just like, yeah. I, I can imagine at the time, again, of reading up on this, people saying that, you know, when they were kids watching this, they were just like, yeah, I believe Brian Pillman was <laughs> like going off script and was intending to shoot someone live on TV. 
So I can I can believe it as well. Yeah. I can definitely believe it as well. Uh, this is just the beginning, just the very beginning of our but journey tonight. As this is getting kicking off, and we're all excited for what's next. I tell you what, Tom, I think this is a perfect time for some karate fighters, don't you? Oh my god, I love the 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 unironic, un unconsidered timing of he's got a gun, he's gonna shoot a man. Hey, kids. <laughs> Milton Bradley karate fighters. <laughs> imagine, right? Okay, imagine you're watching TV and there's an advert for the National Rifle Association. Get some guns, guns, get a gun, 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 gun. Now back to Pingu. <laughs> <laughs> you do what you do with guns, but the but the jarring juxtaposition is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It so was, uh, it was not lost on me that way. Enough of the lad threatening to kill his mate with a gun. Let's get back to the toy commercial. Uh, Marlena versus Sid is in the tournament tonight, and uh, Sid wins with ease, <laughs> which is harsh. Marlena tells her character, oh sorry, Sid's character, Cyberfist, who is the the karate fighter she's, he's he's controlling, that he'll never work in this town again. Next week it's Doc Hendricks versus Sable. I, I don't mind the karate fighters tournament stuff. No, I like it. It's just the fact that, like you said, the juxtaposition of coming from what was meant to come as unscripted, you know, criminal acts live on B2. It's just psycho Sid laughing as he's playing with a little plastic man. And it's all like, come back next week for more Milton Bradley Karate Fighters. Anyway, back to Cincinnati where Austin is fucking kicking the shit out of Pilman's mates outside his house. <laughs> Back to this, quick! Uh, two random blokes. <laughs> he literally tries fucking drowning someone. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? This is all live, which is mm. why I love it. We cut back, and as you say, there's a paddling pool involved. There's a car door, numerous other things, and Austin is just kicking fuck out of two of Pillman's weirdo mates. One nearly gets drowned in a paddling pool. And Austin throws bins at both of them. And something I noticed in this, because like I said, I've seen at the climax of this before, the famous bits of this. I've never seen this attack before or paid much attention. I never realised that Austin's wearing Brian Pillman's ECW t-shirt as he's doing all this. I never even noticed that either. Yeah, he's he's got the, the Rogue wow. Horseman Goes Extreme t-shirt on. So Wow! Yeah. That, that absolutely passed me by. Yeah. Look, I love that. Making a bit of money for Pillman and ECW. Yeah. That it's... suggests the ECW thing is still alive. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Austin now starts circling the house trying to get in. Uh, oh, dear. It's all kicking off. Let's go back to the wrestling. <sighs> no, no, let's stay with this. It's more fun. No, no, we have to watch Pug Porto versus the Sultan. Uh, Bob Backlund is ranting incoherently, saying Sultan will bring us into the 21st century as WWF champion and says Sultan will bring respectability into people's lives. Holy shit, there is a man circling another man's house and one man has a gun. I can't stress enough how inconsequential the Sultan versus the pug suddenly seems. <laughs> and Vince, Vince is, the, like we said before, he's just talking about the Pillman all the way through this and he's using this serious voice and trying to downplay it as Backlund, like he said, is, I couldn't understand a word he was saying until he said 21st century. He just rambled a bit. I think Bob Backlund and Iron Sheik 
are not so much here to train the sultan, but more chew the scenery. Mm. Because in their own unique and weird and wonderful ways, they do just that. Bob Backlund cut in a promo, shouted over the Sheik's over the Sultan's music. Iron Sheik gets out of prayer mat and just starts praying for about five hours. <laughs> and it just they just mug mug off as much as they can before the match starts. And as you're you're absolutely right, Jack. Vince and Joe Lawler are somber. Vince more so than Lawler, uh, mm. worrying about the scenes at Pillman's house and promising to keep us posted. Uh, anyway, either way. Sultan batters Pug and wins with a camel clutch. <laughs> There's two things I did on commentary during this as well. Like you say, they're in somber mode. Like Jerry Lawler's pleading with Pillman to put the gun away. And I think it's Lawler says the line, you've got two people completely out of hand now. And as a throwaway line, that does so much to build up both the characters of Austin and Pillman, where you're just like, these are lunatics. And like you were saying on Superstars about Pillman was saying, acknowledging time with Austin. Even Vince says here that Austin and Pillman were once tag team champions somewhere. Mm. But the match didn't matter at all. And no one cared. The Sultan gimmick's already dead, isn't it? It, it was barely alive. No. It's, it's, it's certainly dead now. Uh, to Pillman's house, once again, we go. Austin is making his way around the house and Pillman is clutching his gun. We hear a smash as the door is opened, as Austin punches the window through, he enters Brian Pillman's house and there is screaming and panic and madness. We see Pillman point the gun at Steve Austin and scream that he's going to shoot him. He even drops the F-bomb, which we don't get on the network version, but we know that the F-bomb is dropped. And as it looks as if Brian Pillman has a gun pointed at Stone Cold Steve Austin, the feet cuts out. Static. Nothing. Nout. In about 45 seconds, it, it was not a quick segment at all, but it was a segment that changed everything. It was just as the match finished, and suddenly there's carnage and chaos at Pillman's house and Austin breaking in to the threat of a gun and then static. Pillman's got a gun, Jack. Pillman's got a gun. What will that Pillman do? <laughs> Every time I see Pillman's got a gun as the title for Raw, I think of that song. Yeah. Um, back to the ring we go. Do we want to? We want to save the Pillman talk for later, don't we? Because we've got we'll, a few more segments to go. Yeah, we'll, we'll save it until after Raw's finished. Cool. Back to Raw we go. Uh, and Jim, Jim Ross is leading a Shawn Michaels psycho Sid meeting of the minds now. Uh, no more mention of this for a little bit, although we'll get a kind of, we'll get a sort of mention in about five minutes. We'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, Sid's out. Shawn Michaels is out. They're going to meet at Survivor Series, but next week they're challenging for the tag team titles. JR asks Shawn Michaels if he has forgiven Sid for those power bombs all those years ago. Well, last year when Sid powerbombed the bejesus out of Shawn Michaels post-WrestleMania 11. Shawn says it's obvious that he's forgiven him. After all, he went to the loony bin to bring him back. Sid says that's bullshit. Woo! New generation, isn't it, Tom? It is the new generation. <laughs> Sometimes in the new generation, they do a swear. Sean says, whether you like it or not, or don't you know who you need, you know, whether, whether you like it or you don't, you know who you need to thank for bringing you back. Sid says his attack on Shawn Michaels this past week was by accident and he already apologized and Sean accepted 
the apologies. Vince McMahon says, we're going to cut away from this to go back to Pillman's house. Oh, wait, no, no, we're not. We're staying here. An intentional line to keep people invested? Or I think so, Or screw yeah. up on Vince's part? No, I, I think it was intentional. Right. I think, yeah, might have been. Make, yeah. make, it, make, make it seem, make, make the in-ring stuff seem live, even though we know it's pre-taped, if you know what I mean. With you, with you. Because yeah. all, all the in-ring stuff is taped. It's only the Pillman house stuff that's live. Yeah. JR asks Sid if he agrees that Sid is the favorite to win at Survivor Series. And JR and, and Sid says, even Jimmy the Greek would look at me and see me as a favorite. Uh, Joe Jimmy the Greek? He's a, he was a famous, like, uh, was he a sportscaster? I know he used to do with uh, betting in America, yeah. Yeah, he was, he, was a, he was a sportscaster. He predicted NFL scores. Yeah. Had a bit of a name. I think he's like a John McCreerick type. <laughs> oh, God. Imagine John McCreerick in the WWF. That'd be amazing. Even John McCreerick knows I'm winning. <laughs> He'd be brilliant, John McCreerick. Very smelly looking man, John McCreerick. <laughs> I got the vibe. When I watched him on Big Brother, I got the vibe that he stank. Yeah, definitely. Oh, sorry, mate. Uh, Sean says, you're not, in, you're not in my league to Sid, to which Sid says, that's right, because you're in the little league and I only Ooh. do little league softball. <laughs> he didn't say the last part. I added that in. <laughs> Sean then says, then says, to be the man, you've got to beat the man, mm. which gets some woos from the crowd. Yeah. They know. They know where the power lies. Uh, and then these two start really shouting at each other. And I think it's Sid that pushes the podium and it crumbles like a fucking Ikea cabinet. Like yeah. it just, just collapses in. It doesn't break. It's just like all the, it's like all the plugs that were holding it together, just all pop out simultaneously. And it just like, just, just falls apart. Yeah. It kind of falls down slow motion. Like you say, cause it goes pop, 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 pop. <laughs> and down. Uh, we have Sid and Sean shoving each other as Jim Cornette bursts in. He is leading down to the ring, Vader, Owen Hart, and the British Bulldog. Oh, so we say fight, yeah. <laughs> podium. I did a big podium before I came out. <laughs> that what it means? <laughs> You're not in my league. No, I'm in Premiership. <laughs> I mean, all, got... I'm in the Vauxhall Conference. <laughs> Anyone got a spare sock? You just want to wipe me ass. <laughs> that's why when he's back in like 99, that's why he's wearing the big socks. I'm not getting cut short again. <laughs> Always thinking, Davey boy. <laughs> big brain Davey, they call me now. <laughs> Who do? The people in my head. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sid and Sean go back to back, ready to fight. Camp Cornette jump in, and they send them packing to Sean and Sid. Uh, Owen hits Sid though in the back of, in the back with a chair, but Sean grabs the chair and chases the baddies off. But of course, malfunction at the junction. Sid thinks it was Sean that hit him with the chair. Oh no! They argue, and Camp Cornette once again try and run in, but they get fucking run off again. <laughs> They look like shit here. Camp useless, aren't they? Absolutely Vader, useless. Owen, Bulldog, all getting fucking creamed multiple times by Sean and Sid. Yeah, yeah. Poor bastards. But I'll tell you this, though, for this segment, I thought the promos themselves were crap. I thought HBK was not on his game. It was just very bland, meek, babyface. Although I do like the kind of what they've put into Canada of that HBK broke Sid out of a, a, a mental health facility. Um, 
The pull apart I thought was really good. It's built heat for this match. And now I'm really looking forward to this because apart from this, I was just figured, oh, Survivor Series just Austin versus the world. But now I'm just figured, oh, Sid versus Sean should be good as well. It's a handy reminder. Oh, no, we've got another match. <laughs> yeah, at least one. We've got at least one other match with these two. Uh, but next week, they gotta they got to coexist with Rob and Maggie. How can they coexist? Oh, no, they've got to fight Pillman and Bulldog. We could coexist just fine. We're like a sitcom couple. <laughs> I tell you in June. You're like, we're like Terry in June, and we're going to beat you till June next year. Yeah. Good dog. It's good, that one, <laughs> Diane. I, like, I wrote that myself. My yeah. new name is the, the British Teddy dog. I've got to work on that last bit, but, you know. The rest of it's sound. Aye. And the British version of Terry in June. <laughs> I watched Tangent, uh, the pilot for the American version of Only Fools and Horses. Oh. Called The King of Van Nuys. Yes, you, we've been talking about this recently. It's so sad. It, yeah. They're called like Dell and Donnie Trotter. Yeah. They got Christopher Lloyd to play Grandad, though. Oh, God. And Trigger is like this cool kid who's like wheeling, dealing. Hey, man, it's yo, I'm Trigger. It was fucking sad. Stop it, America. Just, just knock it off. Stop ruining stuff for everyone else. Honestly, I liked it when the UK saw so much success in Friends that they made Coupling as a UK spin-off, as a UK version of Friends. And Mm. it did so well that the Americans went, we want to do an American version of Coupling. (laughs) You've got one, dickheads. It's Friends. I didn't realise that Coupling was the UK's version of Friends. It was was based on Friends. Because I liked Friends as a kid, and then as I've gotten older, I can't stand Friends. But I I do remember really liking Coupling, thinking it was very clever. Because it was cleverly written. Yeah. And not like, oh my God, Dell, where are we taking to the flea market today? Fuck off. Stop it. Go back to bed, America. Oh, Oh, granddad. (laughs) What do you think of my new cushy suit? Oh my God. Fucking hell. Stop it. Obnoxious Americans. Oh my God. I speak so funny. Hello to our friends in America. <laughs> Fuck off to our friends in America. <laughs> You're not welcome here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're always welcome. Impact Wrestling, come see us, Newcastle. <laughs> oh, it's fine. They're Canadian. Hey! Fuck hey. off, America. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Mark Mero versus Razor Ramon. One half of the Goutsiders in action mm. now. JR gives himself a pat on the back for asking the tough questions to Short Michaels and Sid. And then says, how could you do that with everything that's going on at Pilbert's house? And JR's like, what's happening? I don't know. <laughs> they are not invested unless he's involved. Which, no. is, um, which is eerily Jim Ross in 2023. Yeah. Um, with, with, with nothing but love. One of the technical crew during the Mero Ramon match, uh, Kerwin Silphies, who we've referenced a few times on this shoe, uh, is in the satellite truck near Pilbert's home and does an expose on what's happening. What's happening? I don't know. It's dark. Anyone come <laughs> out? No. I don't know. 
Anyone got in? I don't know. I had a couple of explosions. Were they? Did you hit? Do you know anyone got hurt? I don't know. All right. Cheers. That's uh, Kerwin. Vince reluctantly admits that the team's safety is more important than getting the feedback. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you could there was a because they they now this is a key wording here that they use at no point do they mention gunshots kevin kelly nearly does at one point but no they're explosions mm. they haven't because if they say gunshots it suggests that a gun has been fired they have very carefully meticulously chosen the word explosion so yeah himself he says he has heard some explosions but doesn't yeah. know if anyone was hurt and uh, Vince goes, well, I guess your safety you know, is paramount compared to getting the feedback. But can we get the feedback? <laughs> Cruel bastard. Back from break, <laughs> Kerwin Silfies is back on the line. Vince is raging about the fact that nothing is happening there. <laughs> the feed is unlikely to return. And then something happens and Kerwin and the phone disappear. Ooh. What happened to Kerwin? What's happened there? We'll try and get the feedback, says Vince desperately. Uh, anyway, Razor and Mona, Razor and Miro are having a match, which is fine. Uh, as we go to break, Hunter and Mr. Perfect make their way towards ringside now. Hunter knocks Miro off the top rope, and it leaves him open to a razor's edge to give the Goutsider Razor Ramon a win over Mark Miro. That's, yeah. If, if I didn't, I never would have thought this would have happened. No. I didn't, yeah. Um, it was a match. A that's match the happened. Bigger, that's the thing tonight, isn't it? These are just matches. They're like, yeah, they're not the focal point. I, I will give this to Fake Razor. Um, it was very nice, very safe looking Razor's Edge, but the commentary team didn't talk about this match once. I don't think so. They it just was not asked. No. The closing segment for Raw. They would get the feedback just in time for the end of Raw. Cincinnati. Uh, Vince, has, Vince has also apologized for the lack of enthusiasm in the matches tonight. <laughs> we, we, we're not apologizing. Um, we've got the feedback now. Brian Pillman is being held back by his friends and his wife. Kelly tells us nobody has been struck by the explosions so far. And then Kevin says, nobody has seen Austin. Oh, my God, he's back. <laughs> Kelly's voice resonating with dogs and opening some car garage doors as Austin powers his way back into shot, being held back by more people. Austin getting dragged away from the house as Brian Pillman is screaming, I'm going to kill that son of a bitch as Raw goes off the air. A chaotic night at the Pillman house that offsets a very dull evening in Monday Night Raw's <laughs> arena of choice. Well, I I watched this on the on the feed, and it was actually on on the feed because this I had to crank the volume up a bit. This is where at the end where Pillman says "Get out of the fucking way" as he's trying to shoot him, but it's still uncensored on the network because I was watching this and I was trying to find an original broadcast version on YouTube, and they've actually not farted around of it too much. Um, yeah, bloody hell! Now let's that's raw. It was one angle night. Um, now I've got a few notes on it here that I've hmm. made. Uh, it was later; it would later be revealed that the USA Network executives had a meeting with Vince in the run-up to this, where they pitched the whole thing, where hmm. they had the whole section approved, where they said we're going to do this angle, we're going to do it live, 
where Steve Austin's going to invade Brian Pillman's home. He's got a firearm and he's going to be protecting his home. The USA Network executives went, yep, sounds fine. Appreciate you letting us know. Thanks for the heads up on the wrestling angle. But, you know, it'll be fine, but we appreciate the heads up. They didn't anticipate just how real this would feel. Mm. And this was a big issue that they had. Um, Vince had originally, had originally considered taping the segment a few days before airing it, but then when actually doing it live was going to be more in line with the chaotic nature of the segment. And it would give it a more realistic feel, which it absolutely did. Um, I've got a few of the notes, but I don't want to overwrite your notes. So if you want to go through some of the stuff from The Observer, I can anything that we miss and we want to pick up a bit more on, we can do there as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the speculation from the time from um, Melter himself, Dave opens the newsletter with this and his, his opening gambit is he's put, in something that was either a groundbreaking angle in wrestling or an act of total desperation, WWF ran a lot on November 4th based on scenes from the movie Cape Fear he's put where Steve Austin broke into Brian Pillman's house Pillman held him off with a gun as his wife was screaming the angle was done to establish the WWF's new time slot one hour earlier on Raw and to establish the idea that even though the WWF matches are taped three out of every four weeks uh, a major live angle will take place every week on the show he goes on, you know, recaps what happened during the angle. He goes, uh, Austin comes back and the two were held apart from each other with Pillman hobbling around, pointing the gun and swearing at Austin, which wasn't edited off the delayed West Coast feed, which makes uh, Dave believe it was fine with the USA Network. And there is a much larger story than the Monday Night Wrestling Wars here. Because USA, which used to do phenomenal ratings with its murder, she wrote raw silk stalkings lineup, has gotten beaten across the board all night by TNT's wrestling. USA are probably every bit as desperate, if not more, than WWF to do something for shock value to change that trend. He's put, um, yeah, at the end, Pillman either legitimately sprained or twisted his knee hobbling around doing the angle. And then his, Dave's thoughts on it, he's put, being the talk of wrestling, which it was for one day, can be a good sign. But if it doesn't translate to increased ratings or money, it still doesn't make it successful. He's beginning to fear that we're entering a wrestling environment filled with angles that have one day shelf lives, which means by Wednesday, everyone has forgotten about them long before they really amount to anything. Next week's ratings across the board will be an indication of if this angle has legs. Is it too far? He's put it's new ground, dangerous ground in that they've created the environment and WCW has as well where absolutely nothing that goes on the ring matters anymore. The outside ring storyline is everything, and action in the ring is meaningless. WCW had a tremendous match going on at roughly the same time with Chris Benoit versus Hector Guerrero, and the live audience in Grand Rapids, Michigan, had their backs to the ring and were looking at the NWO guys instead of watching two great wrestlers work their ass off. Was, it, was the angle offensive? Not to Dave, maybe to others, but it's no different than any other violent television show. The only offensive thing on wrestling that night to Dave was the racist stereotype of Sonny Onu. And that's oh. all he's got. Because, um, yeah, I've, I've heard this before because Eric Bischoff's talked, he says he finds it weird that any other form of scripted TV that airs in prime time, if it's got swearing, if it's got sex, if it's got violence, it's kind of part and parcel of the show. As soon as you do it in wrestling, it becomes a controversy magnet. I don't know if that's because it's historically been child-orientated and promoted to children, or the fact that it is trying to be presented as real or live, if you know what I mean. But there's just something about doing angles like this comes under more scrutiny in wrestling than it would if it was in any 
PD Blue or something like that. I think a big part of it is 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 what you said there that wrestling is always presented as if it's real. Yeah, it's always been a, a weird crux with people who don't get it, and a big argument for people when they talk about like you know when when people who don't watch wrestling talk about it is always oh, fake, isn't it? So therefore, when you have a show that is pretending that it's real, like a movie doesn't pretend to be real. No, a movie is a movie. Uh, but wrestling pretends that it's a real conflict and real drama and real fighting. So therefore, when you incorporate stuff like the angle that we saw today, it does fall under greater scrutiny because wrestling presents itself as real. And mm-hmm. to everybody on the inside, they go, yes, it's real. Uh, and uh, and that's I think that's a big part of why it has fallen under that scrutiny. But then the child-friendly nature of it also is a valid point. The fact that we were jumping from scenes of Pillman ready to shoot a man in the head to, hey, karate fighters, kids, buy your Milton Bradley toys. Like, they they must, someone in that company must have been aware as the show was going out just how much there was a juxtaposition and how that might lead them to further scrutiny. You would have thought. Now, Vince McMahon has never allowed the use of a gun on television uh, as it was considered taboo and not a family-friendly tactic, which again leads into the idea of what you're saying, that Mm. wrestling falls into that scrutiny because it's considered a family thing or kid-friendly show. After being persuaded by Bruce Pritchard and WWF magazine editor and future writer Vince Russo, Vince McMahon decided it would be a good idea for this angle. So who do we have to truly blame for Pillman's Got a Gun? Bruce Pritchard and Vinnie Rue, baby. It's... And when, you, when you've when you said that, it's like, well, of course, this has all the hallmarks of Russo. It's all Russo. It's, it's, it, is, uh, it is a peek into the Attitude Era that will come and isn't here yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sid said bullshit in front of children. <laughs> he always says bullshit in front of children. <laughs> Now, uh, how BG in Oakland said fuck during an interview. (laughs) Now, in terms of whether this was a success ratings wise, uh, it was as it would transpire, the angle itself was too dramatic for younger audiences. Mm. And it actually led to a lot of younger fans and families putting Nitro on instead because it was just a bit too much. They wanted just to watch some wrestling. And that's what a lot of them did. Um, The first run through of this particular spot apparently featured Melanie Pillman getting physically involved. There was talk of Melanie Pillman taking a bump during all this, which would lead to Brian Pillman getting the gun out. Like the idea that, that Melanie had got, got hurt during it. It was going to lead to, uh, her getting, you know, Brian getting the gun out. Uh, however, uh, that was changed quite late on in the day, uh, simply because the USA Network said no. We've we've gone back and thought about it, and you know, you can all this stuff we're fine with, uh, base of what we're fine with, but we kind of draw the line at domestic violence in that way. We draw the line at uh, male on female violence, so that's a no. You can get a gun out, but don't have Melanie Pillman fall over on telly. <laughs> How dare you! Um, Jim Ross said that, uh, actually we'll get to Jim Ross's comments in a minute. Uh, so as we know, the angle happens, families turn over and watch Nitro instead. The ones that stick around, uh, call and complain to the USA network. 
Uh, in fact, there's quite a lot of complaints to the network following this particular angle. There were executives within the USA network that after this wanted WWE dropped from television immediately. There were advertisers that also pulled their money from Raw and WWF the moment that this show took place. They went, we can't be involved. If this is where you're going, can't be involved with it. Uh, it led the day after, or maybe the day after that, uh, Vince McMahon having a face-to-face -face meeting with USA Network CEO Kay Koplovitz. Uh, they discussed the future of Monday Night Raw there, where they where they laid out the fact that we've got execs on our board that want this show gone after what you pulled. And Vince obviously argued, hang on, everything we did, you cleared. But they went, we kind of, we we took it as this was going to be a wrestling angle. You painted this as something far bigger than a wrestling angle. You painted this as a very real event that was happening. And it caused panic amongst audience audiences and it caused complaints. That's our issue. Um, an agreement was made uh, between the CEO, Kay Koplovich and Vince McMahon that the direction of Raw needed to remain family friendly and acceptable to younger audiences. And it would never do anything controversial or shocking ever, ever again. <laughs> Spoiler. Um, <laughs> Jim Ross spoke about the angle many years later on Grilling JR, his podcast. He said, I was never high on this angle. I thought it was unrealistic. If Austin had gone to Brian's house and Brian didn't have a gun, I probably wouldn't have had a different, I probably would have had a different feel for this. The gun took me out of any sense of reality-based wrestling. Ross said the camera crews being there didn't make sense for Pillman to pull out a gun in front of them. But he said that it was something that entertained Vince. And, and that's the bottom line. Stone Cold didn't say so. Vince liked it, so it happened. Um, he also said that he, he figured that it had a lot to do with Steve Austin. Steve Austin is a big old fan of guns. He bloody loves guns, to Steve Austin. Uh, and he went, oh, I'll do a bit with a gun. And McMahon's like, yeah, we'll do a bit with a gun. Uh, but Jim Ross believes that the Pillman's Got a Gun episode of Raw hindered more than it helped. Uh, it hurt WWE more than it helped WWE at that point. Uh, yeah. I, I guess uh, historically, maybe not. I think in the short term, definitely. But in the long term, no. And I think what I can imagine may have happened, you were saying that a lot of families turned over to Nitro. Uh, a lot of people who stayed watching will have complained. There will have been that element of people who watched it. You would have told their mates, fucking hell, on Raw last night, Brian Pillman tried shooting Steve Austin. We, I can't wait to watch next week. Mm -hmm. So It's the gamble of, for all the younger audiences that you lose, or audiences of a certain group you lose, you will gain more from another. Mm. And uh, and that's the that's the journey that WWF seemed to be on now in a in a battle in what is becoming a dogfight for Monday Night Viewing. Uh, it's going to only crank up from here. This is the beginning of the genesis of something that vaguely resembles the Attitude Era, but not quite yet. Um, <laughs> it was a one-angle show. The matches were rubbish, but, I mean, what an iconic episode of Raw to dissect with you today. This, like... I've seen bits of this before. I mean, everyone has, but this is my first time ever seeing the whole thing and seeing it in context. And it was fantastic. And I've, even though I've, you know, said my displeasure with the, with the commentary team, ignoring the ring action, what they did focus on, on the Pillman angle, they did a fantastic job of kind of blaring the lines between reality and 
scripted and all that. And I think they did really, it was great. My only complaints with this angle is it makes me really want Steve Austin versus Brian Pillman. Yeah, that's a really, really valid point. Like it sells us on a match that we won't get. It certainly won't get, even if we were, even if, if there was a chance to get it, it won't be for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I, I don't know if they needed to mention Bret Hart at the very least, or like, you know, it. One of us aside to Finn's being like, obviously, we don't condone what's happening, and we'll try and get hold of Bret Hart next week to find out his thoughts on this angle or something like that. Try and tie it back into the match, but that's a very, very minor nitpick for what was a very important episode of Raw. Very important episode, and if you do watch these along. I mean, if you don't, do take time to check it out. It's a, it's a fascinating insight into where WWF was at with WCW breathing down their necks and the, yeah. the changing shape of television. This is was this was their an early response from them. Oh, God, I, yeah. Great fun. Great times had by all with a gun. <laughs> uh, plug, hold, and give, because we never plug, hold, and give on this, and we should. Your, 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 your podcast with Ross. Yes, uh, every Wednesday, the Hold and Give Football Podcast, where we talk, we sit around and we talk about football um, and we try not to mention wrestling because I, I always try and sneak in a reference or two and Ross is just like, I want to talk about football. I've been waiting years for this. Um, <laughs> ma- mainly Premier League. So if there's any non-league fans out there, I apologize. But we just, just two friends talk about football. They get a lovely sport. <laughs> So that's every Wednesday, YouTube. I, I think it's, I don't know if it's hold A and D give or hold ampersand give, but hold and give. Hold and give. You can find it on uh, on Ross Tweddle's uh, YouTube, uh, Twitter handles and, and on the Twitter machine as well. You'll find it. You'll, you'll see Jack Atkins and Ross Tweddle's lovely faces. And that means football is about to happen all over your face. <laughs> what about, what about you, Tom? What have you got to plug apart from impact? Fucking impact. No. <laughs> wrestlers the netflix show is out now i had a lovely hour-long chat with al snow ceo of ovw where we talk all about uh everything that's everything that came out of that show plans going forward some real behind the scenes stuff a bit of inside baseball on uh, wrestlers on netflix it's full of spoilers so if you don't want it spoiled for you give it a miss but always love to have a chat with al one of the most miserable men on netflix now i'm proud of him <laughs> i think he smiles for about four minutes and seven hours it's impressive and of course for the latest wrestling news throughout the week you can check out cultaholic.com aiden gibbons uh, jack atkins lewis house and our incredible team of writers from off of america that includes an entire justin henry uh keeping you informed throughout the week as well and until we're next together that's everything isn't it uh yeah i think that's everything oh, good just checking so we're next together he's at brat atkins on twitter i'm at tom campbell on twitter together we're at Goldholic on twitter and mark henry who did not die is back next week hey. in the attitude era see you, see not you next the week. fucking attitude era <laughs> love you bye sid got his bum out doesn't mean anything in his house mate <laughs> 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hold up. 